Welcome to episode 117 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church and for any others who would uh, like to listen in. I'm here with my uh, two good friends, uh, Michael Bauer and Gabriel Williams. Uh, just before the podcast, we were singing Christmas carols together uh, <laughs> as we are all in the Christmas spirit. Uh, actually, Gabe wasn't singing very loud, though, because he is the self-described Christmas curmudgeon. Gabe, what do yes, we know sir. about that? Well, if you think about the whole Scrooge story, that's... <laughs> I'm basically the screw to Christmas. Okay. <laughs> like the hymns, but all of the hanging of lights, pulling up of trees, all of the, all of that, yeah, that can all go away. <laughs> now, is that why you have Bah Humbug uh, in your front lawn and a big sign oh, there? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, it's good. Uh, Michael, do you all have Christmas presents ready for, for little Michael? Is he uh, getting excited? I don't. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, he, he likes the tree and the lights, and uh, is having fun with those. So yeah, he'll be very excited Christmas morning. Christmas is always um, a lot more fun when the kids are little. Um, oh yeah. When they get old, older, it's still fun, but uh, it gets very expensive. Uh, the gifts get a lot more expensive, no and uh, they become fewer. And mm. um, but uh, always, always love this time of year. Um, of course, uh, we like to distinguish between uh, what we call cultural Christmas mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Christian Christmas, uh, the biblical right. mm. uh, understanding of, of this time of year. And uh, we know there are uh, lots of uh, different iterations of the way uh, people think about this time of year. And uh, we're not going to get into all that uh, this morning as much as talk about uh, what it is that we celebrate and remember at this time of year with the incarnation and birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's mm -hmm. what makes this year a very sp special time of year for believers as we we stop and we think about uh, uh, the, the incarnation and birth of our Lord. And uh, one thing that we uh, uh, love about our uh, our tradition uh, as Reformed Presbyterians is that we have tools of discipleship. And uh, some of those main tools, of course, are our, uh, our standards, our, our doctrinal standards found in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Shorter Catechism and the Larger Catechism. And when people hear the word catechism, they often break out in hives and think that we're talking about some ancient uh, medieval torture uh, that took place <laughs> in a, a Roman Catholic Church or something. Uh, but actually, catechisms are simply uh, pedagogical tools, teaching tools, in order to instruct because they... Uh, it's doctrine found in question and answer form. And so, uh, katecheo, uh, this, this word means uh, to echo back. And, and so, the, the truth goes down and is echoed back. And really, it's uh, in light of the way we instruct our children uh, and so forth that we have this, this term. But it's also for congregations and adults. And so, in, the, in, in our Sunday school class, we have been walking through the Westminster Larger Catechism. And in the Westminster Larger Catechism, we are given wonderful theological categories uh, to hang concepts and ideas on and and uh, two of those ideas of course are the humiliation and exaltation of the mediator our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and these mm -hmm. come in uh, between in, in, the, in the 40s the questions in the 40s of the Westminster larger catechism and in particular uh, in question 47 uh, we have a reference given 
uh, under the category of humiliation with Christ, uh, discussion about the, the incarnation and birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as an aspect of that, that humiliation. Uh, if I can ask, uh, Gabe, if you wouldn't mind reading uh, that question and answer 47, uh, and then uh, just helping us uh, uh, begin to think about uh, this, these, these concepts uh, as uh, we consider uh, our Lord's uh, conception and, and birth at this time of year. Sure. So question 47 asks, how did Christ humble himself in his conception and birth? The answer, Christ humbled himself in his conception and birth in that being from all eternity, the Son of God, in the bosom of the Father, he was pleased in the fullness of time to become the Son of Man, made of a woman of low estate, and to be born of her with diverse circumstances of more than ordinary abasement. And so that's the end of the answer for question 47. And as you kind of read through this, you see there are just multiple passages, there are just directly scripture quotations or paraphrases uh, from scripture. So first start with the reality that who is Jesus Christ? Or in terms of what was the glory that if you go back to John 17, what was the glory that the son had before the incarnation? And what we know was that and is that the son of God himself existed in perfect fellowship, perfect love with the father. There was perfect communion, uninterrupted bliss, uninterrupted perfections in, in a sense. All of that was what was the proper you could say way to view what the son of God's relationship to his father was. There was no uh, interruption of that fellowship and peace that the son of, God, son of God had with the father. And this is the beginning of demonstrating the love that the son of God has for his own people. Because as you read in the catechism, being from all eternity, the son of God, in the bosom of the father, the most protected, glorious state one could be in, we then read, he was pleased. So no, this wasn't forced upon Jesus. It wasn't forced upon the Son of God to do this. This wasn't the Father more or less forcing the Son to do something that he did not want to do. It was a matter of being well pleased. He was well pleased in the fullness of time to become the Son of Man. And so now the first aspect of the humiliation is the reality that the Son of God now takes upon himself a human nature. And it's important to remember, um, isn't it, that Jesus Christ was not created by the Father. Uh, yes. He is of the same substance and equal in power and glory with the Father. And so, mm -hmm. as we discuss these things, you know, some uh, religion, some uh, uh, cults, uh, mm -hmm. they, they teach that, that Jesus uh, was sent by the Father, but that he was created by the Father, mm -hmm. and that he's not eternal as is the Father. And we have ancient heresies, don't we, uh, oh, that, yeah. that, that teach these things. And so, uh, interestingly, as uh, so much of the modern evangelical church is untaught, uh, there's a lot of confusion about the doctrine of the Trinity, which is a central and foundational doctrine in, in the Christian Church, and and uh, we we cannot negotiate that exactly. uh, at all. Right. So when That's when right. we when when it says here that the Son of God became the Son of Man, it's not saying that that, that Jesus is a manifestation of God or an emanation from God. 
that he was created by God. No, Jesus is eternally God, even as is the Father. That's as my, right. one of my seminary professors said, Douglas Kelly, uh, in his wonderful North Carolinian accent, Jesus, just as old as the Father. How about that? <laughs> and, and how about that? Uh, that is what we know of Jesus. He is eternally God, and he, he became man without ceasing to be God. Mm. Yeah, Two amen. natures in one person. Michael, uh, I know these are things that you, uh, you're not too far away from seminary. These are <laughs> things that were, were reinforced, weren't they, in your classes there at RTS? Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, I had uh, systematics classes and read some of Dr. Kelly's books. I had Dr. Kelly as well. And uh, yes, all of these things were reinforced and, and just the centrality, the importance of it. And we see that through church history, as you mentioned. Um, the, 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 uh, we've talked before on this podcast and certainly in our church about the history of creeds and confessions in the church and that often those have cropped up because of error that's been introduced in some churches. And uh, the Nicene Creed is a per- is a perfect example of that, and mm. and there were these uh, this this arch heretic named Arian who was uh, gathering a lot of followers and um, had some catchy ways of grabbing people's attention and mm-hmm. teaching them error, saying mm-hmm. things like uh, there was a time when Christ was not, there was a time when the Son was was not in existence, and that He is the chief and greatest creation of the Father, but still a creation of the Father, and so. Mm-hmm. The Nicene Creed was written in part to combat that ancient heresy, and uh, that's that's an important thing that that we need to keep in mind. That uh, these these heresies come up; they're they're very old, even though sometimes uh, people put new spins on them, and they might feel new. Uh, that, that we have these these ancient creeds and confessions to help us combat error. And the the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses right. would be examples of yeah, that. They right. do not believe that Jesus is as old as the yeah. Father. Yeah. And kind of going back to this, one of the things that I think is part of the, what well, is it's foundational to the glorious incarnation is what was already stated, that in a mysterious way that cannot be fully uh, comprehended from uh, our perspective is that in some way, in some marvelous way, the Son of God took upon himself human nature yeah. that in one very important sense, there is this glorious union between this, this you have a you have the person of Jesus Christ and you have two natures that are not intermingled they're not mixed they're not confused but in some mysterious way that they are united in one single person and part of the wonder of the christmas season is to marvel that if you think about all that we know about the gospel accounts of Jesus, he is truly human. That when Jesus was born, he came out crying like any other child. He grew like any other child would grow. He learned like any other person would learn. And yet, in a mysterious way, this is the eternal Son of God. Hmm. And I've heard you know, numerous sermons in my life just pondering this reality, such as somehow the baby Jesus is, you know, think about just when he is born, that he is dependent upon his mother Mary for all that he has. Yeah. Yet somehow he sustains the entire world with his own with his own word. Somehow that is put together. We have the creator of all things being dependent upon a human in some way. We have the creator of water becoming thirsty. We have the creator of food becoming hungry. We have the creator of all things dependent in some way on his creation. And 
Again, it's not meant to be something that you spend your time trying to dissect. <laughs> it's meant to be adored. And this is who we exactly worship, right. that the Son of God from all eternity became man. And that is the marvel and just the mystery and the, just the glorious wonder of what the incarnation is. Jesus is dependent upon Mary for uh, her milk, nourishment, mm -hmm. care, and yet Mary is utterly dependent mm -hmm. upon Jesus for mm -hmm. her very breath because mm -hmm. he's upholding the universe. Mm -hmm. It is th through Christ that the entire universe has been created. And it is in Christ uh, mm -hmm. that the, wor the, the world is being upheld uh, right. by His Word. Uh, so, yeah, these, these mysteries are great. And this time of year is a time to contemplate those. You know, it's also important, isn't it, uh, brothers, that when we think about this, um, the Incarnation, we think about uh, Jesus Christ uh, with His two natures, Son of God, Son of Man, that we understand this concept of Him laying aside His mm. divine privileges. Right. Uh, because when Jesus came, of course, He was still exercising His three offices of prophet, priest, and king uh, mm -hmm. in His humiliation. We think about Him doing that now, of course, as the exalted Son of God, prophet, priest, and king uh, through, the, through His Word and through the ministry of the church. But how about in His days of humiliation? Uh, so Jesus Christ is born. He's born without sin. Uh, he enters this world. He leaves the glories above to enter the brokenness uh, and fallenness of this world. And, uh, and, and, and he uh, lays aside his divine privileges by doing so. In other words, uh, he doesn't come to be served but to serve. Mm. Uh, he doesn't come and, and, and he's not born in a palace. If anybody deserved to be born in a palace, uh, it was Jesus Christ. That's He's right. the eternal Son of God, the object of the worship of the cherubim and seraphim in heaven and the, the Son of the Father. Uh, mm. And yet He's born in a stable. Uh, yeah. where there are dirty animals, and he's laid in a manger, and he's born in what the larger catechism calls with diverse circumstances of more than ordinary abasement. That's right. I, I, don't, I don't think mm -hmm. any, any of the three of us were born in an unclean environment. Uh, yeah. We were born in a nice hospital. There were expectations there, uh, yeah. perhaps even complaints where things weren't done exactly <laughs> right uh, by our parents, right? Because we love our children. We want them. Mm -hmm. Jesus is born into poverty. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's born in a stable. Uh, uh, wh what a what a picture of the abasement and the humiliation that he entered for us and for mm -hmm. our salvation. And uh, we mm -hmm. see in in Philippians chapter two this this idea of Jesus laying aside his divine privileges, where it says, "Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God." did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. By the way, this does not mean, as ancient heretics said, that Jesus emptied himself of his divinity. It should no. be impossible to do. Yes. <laughs> he laid aside his divine privileges and uh, in order to become the suffering servant and to give himself as a ransom for many. And then in verse uh, 8, it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, so Jesus, in his perfect life, became obedient for us. In other words, he fulfilled all righteousness so that he would become that perfect sacrifice. And so that, 
that little baby with those precious uh, silky hands um, would one day, 33 years later, be nailed to a wooden cross. He was mm-hmm. born to die. And that is the message of Christmas, isn't it? That's right. And when we think about what Christmas, in a sense, has become for many, uh, Christmas today is kind of seen as a way to indulge your own desires, in a sense, because part of the modern interpretation of Christmas today is that we think about the things we receive primarily. We think about what we get from it, and yet, you know, consider the Son of God himself who poured out his life for the sake of his own people. Think about all that happens when it comes to Jesus being born and then living this life in which he is not only forgotten because he grew up in poverty, but he is uh, despised and rejected of men, not just at the cross, but you see the entire gospel accounts that every time Jesus does something, there's always this snickering in the background. Is this not Mary and Joseph's son that we know who came from that background and that poverty under circumstances of birth that are suspicious? There's always that snickering in the background about Jesus. And imagine that being the essentially your reputation for your entire lives. We understand this just from a human sense that we do so much to protect our own reputation. But consider Jesus who made himself of no reputation. He allowed the slander and just the in-your-face hostility, or as Hebrew says, the contradiction of sinners uh, towards him. And yet, this is who we serve. He, again, as you mentioned, he did not come demanding to be served. He was the one who served. He watched the feet of people who would eventually betray him shortly thereafter. That is who we serve. The writers of the larger catechism, the Westminster Assembly, uh, they not only talk about his birth, in this estate of humiliation, but also his life. And we've touched upon some of these things already, but in question 48, uh, the question is asked, how did Christ humble himself in his life? Christ humbled himself in his life by subjecting himself to the law, which he perfectly fulfilled, Mm -hmm. and by conflicting with the indignities of the world, temptations of Satan, and infirmities in the flesh, whether common to the nature of man or particularly accompanying that his low condition, uh, and so uh, Michael, help us to 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 understand uh, what the Westminster divines are seeking to communicate here as we think about our Savior and His life and, and that, that the state of humiliation. I think they're really drawing out what Paul says in Galatians chapter four that Christ was born uh, under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Christ in His life had to perfectly fulfill all righteousness. And in order to do that, he had to perfectly follow God's law. And so what the what the Westminster divines are doing here is drawing out that great truth that we see in Galatians 4 and, and all throughout the Gospels, that Jesus perfectly obeyed everything his Father commanded him, uh, everything that his Father commanded his people, that, that Christ himself, the eternal Son of God, commanded the people of Israel to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ did it. He, he did it on our behalf as, as um, Adam was our representative head in the garden and he failed to fulfill all righteousness. He failed to obey God's word. Christ, the second Adam, came and did it. 
did what we could not do, what Adam and Israel before him could not do. Um, and he fulfilled the law and, and did that all throughout his life, not just for the three years of his ministry, um, but for, for all of the years uh, that he was here on earth, perfectly fulfilling all righteousness. So Jesus is the second Adam. Yes. Jesus is the true Israel. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the true temple. Yeah. Uh, as we look at all these uh, prophecies and types and shadows in the Old Covenant, we see that Christ is the yes and amen of yeah, all of right. God's that's promises right. and mm-hmm. all of these types and shadows. And, and so as we uh, consider these things, we see our Old Testaments opening up mm, and yeah. all these wonderful prophecies that are, are fulfilled when, when Jesus, uh, the Messiah, the promised one, the chosen one, mm-hmm. is uh, is born into this world. That's right. I think one of the phrases that strikes me when I read it in question 48 is the indignities of the world. Mm-hmm. And again, you just consider the reality that the sinless Son of God has to deal with sinful people on a yeah. regular basis. Yeah. One of the statements in the Gospel, I think I believe it's in the Gospel of John, and it speaks about what Jesus knows. Jesus has said in the Gospel of John that he did not entrust himself to man because he knew what was in man, and yet he died for men. And to me, that's that's a just a that's a sort of love that could not come from a mere person or mere human in that sense. We have you know, as the hymn writer says, love divine that is being clearly displayed in Jesus Christ. That if you consider all of the frustrations that happens when Jesus is interacting with his own disciples, when you consider all the miracles that Jesus did while on earth and realizing that very few actually return to say thank you to Jesus <laughs> for any miracle that he did for them. Mm-hmm. When you consider the fact that there are people who flock to him for bread and then you know, a few days later, we're willing to have him crucified. You see the fickleness of man, the yeah. faithlessness of man, and that's what Jesus dealt with on a day-to-day basis. And again, if you think about the humiliation of Christ, a king, and think about this in the modern world, a king can completely isolate himself from the rest of his kingdom if he wants to. He can go into his castle and live as far away from people as he wants. That is the opposite of what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Jesus went straight into the actual realities of the sinfulness of man. And yet, knowing what was in man, he still gave his life as a ransom for many. Yes, we we hear often about subjects uh, of a kingdom dying for their king. Mm -hmm. But uh, when do we ever hear about a king who dies for his subjects, and not just for his subjects, but his enemies. That's right. Uh, That's the love uh, of God that is so clearly manifest Mm. in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And uh, I want to conclude um, this this podcast by just mentioning that I know that many are uh, hurting this time of year because Mm. they are missing loved ones. This is a time of year where uh, usually there's a little time off from work, and people spend time together, families gather, and uh, there are special memories that are, that are made. And uh, there are those who are grieving. Uh, I was just actually responding uh, to an email this morning uh, from uh, someone, a PCA member, uh, who is uh, missing her, her husband, who, who went to be with the Lord last year, and, mm-hmm. and, a, and a son who went to be with the Lord a year before that. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just impressed upon me uh, once again how this time of year can be very painful uh, for people. But as I was reminded by a, a Thomas Watson quote recently, uh, all of the sorrows of this world will disappear in the moment when we get catch a glimpse of our Lord Jesus Christ in Amen. glory. One day, all of these tears will be wiped away. One right. day, all of these difficulties will be, mm -hmm. will be gone. They will be a distant memory. And all we will know is uh, the, the perfect love and joy of Jesus Christ. And that's something we all um, ought to look to and remember. Jesus came to earth for you. Uh, uh, for me, he, he came here to do this, to save us from our sins and to give us everlasting life. And so Amen. may that be a comfort uh, to us all uh, this Christmas. Uh, and let us not be overly distracted by uh, the presents and all the things that Gabriel hates uh, that, are, uh, that some of us like a little bit. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, you know, don't let these things distract us from... Uh, the main uh, theme, and that is that, that Christ was born uh, to die for sinners. Well, thank you so much for being with us uh, on this episode of Between the Times, and uh, we hope uh, that you will join us next time. If you are uh, in the area, of course, if you're a member of Christ Church, but if you're not and you're in the area and you'd like to join us uh, for our Christmas Eve service, we would love for you to join us. That's on Christmas Eve. Uh, that will be at, remind me... I want to say seven. <laughs> uh, we're just the pastors. What do we know? Um, I do believe it's at seven o'clock. Um, and we look forward to seeing you here. It's uh, here at 46 Wando Park Boulevard. It's a wonderful service of uh, lessons and carols where we will have readings from both the Old and the New Testament uh, showing the prophecies of the coming of Christ and the fulfillment of those prophecies and the birth narratives and then singing of many Christmas carols uh, together and it's a wonderful service we've been doing it every year since the the founding of this church and we hope that you will join us well thank you so much for being with us uh, on between the times